Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Hello, everybody. Before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know that tickets are officially available for our first ever live podcast. We are so, so excited. We are going to be at Red Pepper in Nashville on Tuesday, August 15th at 5.30 p.m. And you can get your tickets at redpepperpantsuitpolitics.splashthat.com. Dot com. Seating is going to be very limited, you guys. You do not want to wait around for this. You want to go over to that website right now and go ahead and get your tickets for our first ever live show at Red Pepper. Red Pepper is a really awesome host. It's a creative agency in Nashville made up of passionate people who stay curious and grow always. They have designed their space to inspire and cultivate big boundless thinking, which is why they invited us. And we can't wait to see you all there. So go ahead and go get your tickets. We'll put the link in the show notes.
Hi, everybody. This is Sarah from the left. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. This is one of our special book club episodes. We are here with Jason and Megan from the Pantsuit Politics Book Club, which you can find on Goodreads or through a link on our website. And we are discussing our, was it our June or July pick, Megan? Uh, June. June. So we're a little behind. Uh, so in June, we read Jonathan Haidt. The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. And we are here talking about this amazing book, which I've been blabbering on about the podcast for a couple of months now. Why don't y'all go ahead and introduce <laughs> yourselves real quick? Uh, I am Jason Altmeyer, and I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. And this is Megan Hart, again, um, one of the moderators of the book club on Goodreads. So I'm so excited about talk about this book. Did you guys like it as much as I did? We did. This book is making a comeback. It came out in 2012 and was extraordinarily popular at that time and has kind of been a go-to book for anyone that's been interested in politics and political division and polarization. And over the last several months, it's it's received a lot of notoriety and it's definitely making a comeback and is rising up the charts again because it's so topical to what's happening in the country today. It's so relevant to me because you know this is one of my big takeaways from the 2016 election which is i finally took me way too long realized that this is not about facts and policy and statistics and there is nothing the matter with kansas like this is all emotion and it's driven by emotion and um that's definitely one of his um first big points in the book which is that we are not rational um creatures that we are irrational creatures i love his analogy that we are sort of his big the one of the first sort of conclusion he makes is that he says it's a our big animal brain is an elephant and we are just a tiny person trying to steer the elephant <laughs> <laughs> yep and i love the fact that he talks about how to do um, conversations about politics and religion. And they say, oftentimes we're talking to, you know, our tiny people on top of the elephant, when in fact you need to be talking to that elephant because the person on the elephant can't do anything if the elephant is set on going one direction. Right, right. Now, Jonathan, did you read this book with us or had you read it before? Jason, you mean? Oh, Jason. Yes, Jonathan is the author. Sorry about that. (laughs) I I had written, I had, um, read it before when it, when it was out. And then I had reread it a couple of years ago because it's just so topical, but I was glad to see that the book club decided to take it up because I think it's relevant across a wide variety of of issues that we're dealing with today as a country. Yeah, it's so true. I find myself thinking, um, when an issue comes up or when I'm thinking like, how do I want to, I really want people to see this side. I'm like, okay, which one of these little five buttons can I push? <laughs> How can I push more than one button? So let's talk about the five uh, moral foundations. And he ends up adding a sixth uh, moral foundation because he he starts from the premise that for a long time we defined anything moral as um, morality was defined primarily through harm. Was anybody harmed? And then he comes up with these banana scenarios in which like brothers and sisters are having sex together but there's technically no harm so why are we also disgusted and he uses Mm -hmm. that to examine these five um moral foundations that really go beyond harm and so he talks about um fairness well he does talk about harm that we want to prevent harm and that's why we respond to like baby seals being clubbed and then we talk (laughs) about fairness and he says these two democrats are great at democrats are great to appeal to people great at appealing to people based on preventing harm and um sort of fairness in the process fairness and treatment to other people 
But then he says there's these other ones. There is loyalty to the group, um, preserving loyalty, uh, the sacredness of institutions and ideas. Um, and then, wait, which one am I missing? Sacred loyalty. Oh, respect for authority. Democrats, not so great at those three. And then he ends up adding sort of the prevention of oppression, um, liberty, sort of liberty slash oppression um, foundation that I think both groups can appeal to. But um, I just thought his whole premise of like, there's all these different ways to connect with people and to to sort of touch this this moral button, which is really these emotional moral buttons, which is really what you want to how you want to appeal to people and that Republicans just are so much more accessible. And it's not surprising that they've, it's become so much popular because you really can see the breakdown in the way Hillary Clinton stronger together. We're in this together, you know, and Donald Trump, the world is ending and only I will help you pervert, preserve sacred institutions and have respect for authority. And I mean, you can just, it's so when he talks about these five spaces, you can see it. Did both of you really see the analogy to the 2016 election as much as I did? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really loved how he's, you know, we're, there's a lot of conversation right now about how both sides are kind of talking past each other and have gotten into a point of we're saying the other side isn't looking at it correctly. And I, I think the key points that he brings up is there's a difference between people viewing the violations of a social code versus a moral code mm. and the, the different ways it impacts social class and that that is usually the the biggest predictor of whether or not they'll view the violations as more serious moral violations and there, there's a part in the book where they talk about comparing different countries together and what they found is class social class was an even greater determinant of where people would come down on the, that conflict than even geography was. Then mm. when comparing cities in Brazil and the United States, it came down more to social class versus just the, the local mores that they had. And why do, you I think, think the, why do you think that is? Well, the way that translates into politics today, especially in America, is it's no longer... Uh, easy to determine someone's political views based upon their their financial wherewithal or, or their social status. It used to be if you were rich, you were generally going to vote Republican. And if you were middle class or lower, then you're probably going to be a Democrat. It's not like that anymore. It's It's very unpredictable now. And that's one of the reasons that President Trump sits in the White House today as a lot of those blue collar workers who typically have voted Democrat have now flipped. And the reverse is true, too. A lot of the wealthy folks who used to be solidly Republican are now going over to the Democratic side. So I think a lot of the stuff that Jonathan Haidt talks about in this book are very relevant to what's happening today because it helps explain kind of the unexplainable, the, the result that no one could figure out how could it possibly have happened. It's because of a lot of the things that Professor Haight talks about in the book. Well, and I wonder, though, I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, why do you either of you think that the other moral, those other buttons are more likely, you're more likely to respond to loyalty or sacredness of the group or respect for authority if you have a lower socioeconomic standing well it's because that's what they've always known they've grown up in that environment they 
They don't have realistic aspirations to be in a different social status in many cases, and they accept that there's a hierarchy. And folks who are on the other side of that equation are more willing to break the rules or, or think that it's acceptable to go in a different direction, and it's not as serious a matter. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy beach read. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high-quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. See, I'm not sure if it's that. For me, I wonder if it is 
Um, I think in a lower socioeconomic situation, you know, he, he talks a lot about the, the power of the tribe, the power of the group and that human beings can be very selfish. But one of the ways that that's sort of short circuited is when there is concern for the group. And I wonder when, you know, higher socioeconomic status come independence comes with that, right? When you have money or you have education and you have the ability, you have more privilege with which to change your situation, you are more independent. You don't have to depend on the group as much to sustain yourself. And so I wonder if, you know, and he talks a lot about how these other moral codes are really about sort of maintaining the group and maintaining society. And I I really responded to the part where he talks about, you know, maybe we've pushed this if nobody's harmed. Who, what uh, what institutions, what do we care if we tear down our institutions? Because without our institutions, why are we all living together? You know, like if there's no institution to hold us up as the United States or as Kentucky or as Paducah as whatever, then, you know, there is a problem with that. And I think that that liber- the liberal classes, the liberal elites in particular, are too willing to say, you know, knowledge and, and resource, knowledge and access is the answer to everything. And I'm not sure that's true. I think you know, and I was listening to a Freakonomics the other day about how, you know, in the 1960s, we had 5% of births to single moms. And now it's not now it's like 60%. And look, nobody, including me, who my mom was single for a while when she was raising me is going to bust on single moms. But the reality is children do better across every indication when they have two parents. And so and it was really interesting, this this researcher went to the fracking boom and said like, okay, well, if it's about that men's earning capacity is decreased, so they don't make as good of partners. And when we see their resources increase dramatically, like around a fracking boom, we should see an increase in marriage. And they didn't. And part of the reason is that an institution has just, you know, sort of come unglued. Um, and, de- and it's just not as appealing to a newer generation of people, despite the fact that, you know, you're more likely to stay, your parents are more likely to stay together. And there's more sort of, it's not like Sweden where people live together for 20 years without getting married in America. When you're not married, you're less likely to, you're more likely to break up just statistically. So, you know, I just wonder if that's what that is. It's that I don't, I can't, if I'm in a lower economic status, I can't depend on my education or my resources to, to sustain me. I have to depend on my tribe and I need to maintain the tribe and the rules of the tribe. And that's where you get those very responsive reactions to loyalty and to authority, respect for authority and to sacredness. And I think he's right. I think we need that. What do y'all think? No, I I absolutely agree with that. I think the, um, the discussion that he has about evolution of, of our, yeah, the group's tendency. evolution. Yeah. Yes. I thought was that number one was not a direction in which I anticipated this book to go. Right. Um, but number two thought it was really interesting about how, and that's kind of how he brings religion into the conversation of religions kind of regardless of what the beliefs of the religion are, are just what you're talking about. They're a tribe. They're a community that you need to work together in order to, uh, succeed. So that was interesting. And I, and I listen, I see that. And, you know, I'm a weird one. We talked about this on the podcast. Look, I live in a conservative space. I consider myself a progressive. Do I want my children to get married before they have babies? Yes, I do. Do I care if they marry men or women? No, I do not. <laughs> like, like, but I believe in those institutions. I think we've had marriage around for a billion years because it clearly serves a societal 
purpose, an important purpose. Now, does it have downsides? Yeah, as a woman, I see that. Get it. I got it. But like, and I think the same is true of religion. I wonder if we have, you know, institutionally, particularly with 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 an overabundance of concern for, you know, if we put all our all our eggs in two baskets and we've missed some of the benefits of these institutions and thrown the baby out with the bathwater. I like also how he um, talks about the struggle that people have to create a moral issue where it's difficult or impossible to find a victim. For example, he has many very provocative examples, but one of them was has an American flag that she no longer wants to use, so she cuts it up and uses it as a dish rag. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were offended by that and felt like that was that was morally offensive to them. And then they were asked to define, well, then who's the victim in this case? And they really struggled to find a victim. And, and they went so far as to say, well, she's a victim because I'm sure she feels bad about it, even though she might not realize it, you know, that kind of thing. And you know, there, there are greater and, and more thought-provoking examples that he uses. But uh, I, I think that's an interesting dilemma that, that people want to go along with their preconceived notion, even when they have a hard time articulating why it is they feel the way that they do. Well, and I think a huge thing that he points out, and I would push it, I would articulate it a little bit differently, but, you know, he talks a lot about the difference between the East and the West and that this trip to India really opened his eyes. And I think part of the reason that Americans struggle when there's not a quote unquote victim is that we don't see our institutions as sort of living, breathing participants in our society because we are so individualized. We only see the individual. You can't have a victim without an individual victim. That's not necessarily true in other cultures. They see the family and they see religion and they see the society as a whole as sort of, you know, these living, breathing participants. It's like the only way we do that in America is if it's a corporation, which is sort of bananas. You know, you can hurt a corporation, but you can't hurt a church. And so, you know, I think that maybe that is part of it, too, is that we have become so hyper focused on the individual. And that is why we struggle with this. And that's why we have trouble articulating harm when it's not an individual human being being harmed when there, of course, there's harm. And of course, there is concern. And I think Americans you know, you know, I could go really big with when, and I think we'll get into this conversation with the book for July, which is tribe by Sebastian Younger. I hope I run since Raymer, um, which is that I think we've, we, we've gone too far and that we harm ourselves with this overabundance of emphasis on the individual when these institutions are important and they serve purposes and they have evolved to serve purposes. And that doesn't mean they can't be improved upon, but to abandon them and to say, you know, only it's only when an individual human being is harmed that something's a problem. I think we all know that's not true. I was just reading and I was pleasantly pleased to see that Jonathan Haidt had retweeted it. There was a really interesting thread about how Americans really respond when our uh, when our reputation abroad is bad. And that was part of George W. Bush's big problem. And it's sort of Obama's strength is that people you know, for all the America first and the make America great again. And I think that Americans have concerns about how things are at home. They do not want us to be a laughingstock abroad and they do want us to be seen as the leader of the free world. And I think that you get that. And I think that is arguably probably a bipartisan issue too. that people want that people do not want to be seen 
I think the problem is they define it differently. And I think you see conservatives see, they see it as strength when we're leaving these, these accords and when we're seen, but uh, you know, it goes too far. And when we're being seen as a loner or being excluded and not being a leader, I think that's when you'll see sort of a, a turn on that issue. I think that's right. And, and he gets into a lot of discussion about the way people think and confirmation bias and motivated reasoning and the, these are just inherent flaws in the human mind, right? I mean, the, the, this affects both sides equally. And you know, they, they search for evidence to confirm their preconceived views rather than using all the miraculous resources that are available through the Internet and, and otherwise at their disposal to seek new information and evaluate evenly and then come to their opinion. They decide what their opinion is going to be. And then they go out of their way to prove it to themselves. And if they find any conflicting information, they just disregard it. And they'll keep searching until they find something that backs up where they want to be. And then they'll accept that as their confirmation. That was one of my favorite parts of the book where he was basically like, look, nobody's logical. I was like, thank you, because I've been having this debate <laughs> with so for so long. And people accuse you of being emotional. And I, you just need to be more logical. Oh, guess what? That's not a thing. EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earthbreeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets and... Even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, God, I love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy. It's consistent. It's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? 
thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Uh, Regarding the focus on the individual, I would agree that I think we've gone too far when it's talking about harmed individual. And something that was reassuring to me was his phrase, uh, we are 90% chimp, 10% bee, where there is so much talk about how, just like you said, that we're supposed to be individually driven. We're, we're wired to be that way. We're not wired to be, you know, for the community. And he was basically saying, that's not true. You know, yeah. 90% of us may be about individuals, but we do have that, that tendencies of bees to work together in a hive for the goodness of others. And that well, was, and that's what that I loved is like, that's the window to our best selves. Now, can it be right. the window to our, the path to our worst selves? Absolutely. But that, that you see people at, like, I thought all that study, the, all the sociological data about, uh, church members are more generous. Yes. But w- specifically when they are within their religious group, when they're helping their religious group is when you really like, that's like peak generosity, you know? And I thought that was so interesting is that appealing to that. And look, I don't think, I think it's hard to argue that anybody was better at that sort of that narrative than Barack Obama. But like, you can see that people, when you, when you appealed to people's best self. And it's so funny, though. It, it's such a careful walk because it can't be the, you know, we're just going to pick everybody up and take care of everybody because people have such a harsh and I mean, a not unjust concern with free riders. And he talks a lot about the free rider problem and Mm -hmm. how that's where you get, you know, respect for authority. And you do need the people to say, look, we can't give it all away, right? We have to look out for ourselves and we have to make sure we don't let free riders take over the system. And I, I mean, I think one of his best things is at the end where he's like, okay, look, you need Democrats because they keep their eye on this and corporations can become those free riders. Everybody's so concerned about if you don't have Democrats pushing for regulation, but at the same time, you also need some, you also need uh, Republicans concerned about free riders within the, the government system themselves. Like I just thought his sort of breakdown of like, this is what everybody takes the brain to the table and we need everybody sitting there was so great. Yep, absolutely. The, um, like my all time favorite quote, uh, of the book is morality binds and blinds. Yeah. It binds us into ideological teams that fight each other as though the fate of the world depended on our side winning each battle. It blinds us to the fact that each team is composed of good people who have something important to say. Oh. Just like, <laughs> that it, was great. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, I really was like cornering strangers in the at cocktail parties and being like, let me tell you about this book I'm reading. Right. <laughs> Would you like to hear, would you like me to recite all this book to you? Cause that would be great. Let's go. Jason, what did you think of, um, or kind of what is your experience with using as a previous politician of using, uh, the moral, the six moral buttons kind of in your discussions, um, as a politician? 
Well, yeah, there there was so much in this book that I could relate to. Wait, Jason, experience. tell us which what, what office you held. I didn't know that part. I, I served in the U.S. House of Representatives for three terms. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and I represented a very politically diverse district, equally split among Republicans and Democrats. And uh, I think what resonated the most for me in that experience from the book was that he talks about how it's basically impossible to move somebody off of their opinion once they arrive upon it. And if you're looking to have a rational conversation with somebody, especially somebody who's a partisan, you know, who's on the extreme of, of views, you're, you're not going to be able to be rational and you have to go to other ways to try to convince them. And, and the worst thing you can do is give them the impression that you don't understand their point of view. Mm. And I think in politics today, that happens so often. And, and, you know, to the quote that was just read, I think that's what that's all about is, is people want to, un, they, they want it, you to know that even though you disagree, that their opinion matters, that they feel their opinion was arrived at through a rational process. And if you give them the impression that you feel like you know more than them and you're disregarding their reasoning, they're going to disregard you right away and you're never going to be able to come to any kind of accommodation. So um, I think that is such a good point. And I'm interested to hear between your sort of understanding of the book and lessons from the book and your own personal experiences as a uh, representative, like Megan said, like, what do you think is the best path forward in our current hyperpartisan era? Well, it's funny. I actually, I just finished a book on that very topic, um, which I, I think, you know, in, in this book that we're reading what was a good source for what I was doing. And, uh, you know, the conclusion that you come to when you research this is there's a lot of institutional reasons why there's so much polarization. Wait, what book did you just finish? Well, it's not out yet. It's called uh, Dead Center, How Political Polarization Has Divided America and What We Can Do About It. Oh, cool. Coming out in the fall. Put that on the list, Megan. (laughs) I am right now. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you about that uh, another time. But um, the the research that is so interesting is, is in similar to the book that we're reading right now is in the way people think. And they talk in this book about how they placed partisans under MRIs and studied the way their brains react when they're shown inflammatory partisan information, both supporting their own preferred candidate and the person that they're opposing and how they are gleeful when the other person gets themselves into trouble. And when their own candidate is shown to be, uh, you know, in, in some way hypocritical, they don't think about that. The the areas of the brain that deal with rational thought and reasoning, they don't light up. The part that lights up is fear. And they're worried that they've somehow been proven wrong rather than taking a step back and thinking, maybe I should reevaluate this. And this book is just filled with examples of social, uh, social examinations where they put people in different positions and, and they study their reactions under different uh, types of circumstance and 
uh, it just continually throughout the book and, and other literature will say the same thing, demonstrates that people are not interested in the facts. They're not interested in finding for themselves new information and coming to a conclusion. They're interested in defending their own position. And there's a uh, dialogue in, in this book, the Jonathan Haidt book, about the search for evidence to confirm, and it shows, most importantly, the need for diversity within groups. And it's not just ethnic and, and gender diversity, but intellectual and ideological diversity so that groups have different ways of thinking. And the problem when you remove people from the group that think differently than you, when you exclude different points of view and different ways of thinking, you relegate your group to a homogeneous group that's not going to have any new ideas. And you're going to be very certain that you're right because you're never going to hear a difference of opinion. But that's not going to get to any kind of problem solving or compromise because the group that's on the other side has done the same thing. And there's no overlap. There's no ability to find consensus. And it's a real problem in the country today. Well, and I think one of my favorite parts about this book is that he definitely I mean, he's not blink. He, he unblinkingly presents the problems. But I, th I never felt like he. What I liked about this book is he was basically like, look, we didn't invent this. This is a thing that humans do. We do it for a reason. And some of them are good. And, you know, sort of presenting this very fairly, I felt like, and not just not as this like, you know, another downfall of the American way and why we're all doomed to death and destruction. You know, I just kind of felt like he was sort of, let's just talk about this. Let's talk about this and why we do these things and why we all do these things. And that's okay. And some reasons are good and some reasons are bad. But the first step is just to understand the processes and why we work this way. And I just felt like it was like a very like sort of, I won't use the word rational, but <laughs> uh, just very fair analysis. And um, yeah, so I think the conclusion we've come to is everybody needs to read this book. It's great. <laughs> so, Megan, tell us yep. about the pick for the next book club pick. Oh, Tribe. So, um, if anyone is an audiobook person, the Tribe audiobook is fantastic. Uh, so, we've got uh, 12-ish days left for it's Tribe. It's so fast. I read it in a day. It's a quick read. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, And then we have, let me pull up um, the other two books because those have been recently announced. Oh, yay. Uh, next, we will be reading uh, The New Jim Crow. Oh, okay. And then the one after that will be Exit West. Oh, great. A, a fiction book. Lots of great books. Yay. Uh, okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. I think this is a really great discussion about a really great book, and I can't wait for to get everybody's feedback. And please join us on Tuesday for another episode of Pantsuit Politics. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. This month, our patron shout out goes to Kim Mellon, a huge supporter of the show and one of our favorite presences on social media and also occasional contributor to our blog at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Thanks so much for your support, Kim. It means the world. 